Welcome to Wealth Well Done. Together, we'll cover a wide range of important topics surrounding money and the impact it has on our lives. From the sophisticated and highly valuable planning techniques of the ultra-wealthy to the commonly underutilized biblical teachings. Together, we'll work to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well. Here's your host, Eric Scoville. Okay, welcome to the 43rd episode of the Wealth Well Done podcast, where we lean into the tactical, practical, and spiritual advice to help you do your wealth well done. Last week, actually the last couple of weeks, we've had Nathan Rickner on. Pastor Nathan has come on, and we have had absolutely wonderful conversations around the Holy Spirit and uh, also around fasting. So if you were looking to be challenged and made uncomfortable at the beginning of the year, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those. Um, this week, we are getting back into the tactical side of, of wealth management here. And I am uh, so blessed and excited for this conversation with a guy who's really you've become a, a brother of mine, Andrew. Uh, so Andrew Barlow um, with his Kingdom Resources, Harvest Investment Services, Envoy. Uh, you, you've got another number of companies and hats that you wear. And we're going to get into that. But anyways, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having and, me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm excited for this because as, like I said, I, I feel like you have become a brother here, but there's still so much to your story that that uh, I don't know. So I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing to have this conversation with you. And, and you bring such a, and not a pun intended here, you bring such a wealth of knowledge to mm-hmm. um, to the investment space and your focus is really around um, really around, you know, people with a, a kingdom mindset as well. And so, uh, thank you for the work that you do, but, but I want to dig in and maybe give, will you give us a little backstory, just a little bit of who you are as a person and how you got into this kind of this world of high finance that you have found yourself in now? Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to mention real quick. I, I love that you guys were diving into the topic of fasting. Uh, that's yeah. been such a absolute, uh, such a powerful way. Uh, in my in my in my faith walk to uh, keep the main thing the main thing, right? Uh, right. It's a great opportunity and, and way to, to to push the flesh down and say, nope, you're not in charge here, right? And uh, and 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 just recenter, refocus on uh, on hearing God and, and what He wants you to do. So I'm I'm so glad that you guys were diving into that. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So Andrew Barlow, I'm I'm here in our offices based in the Chicagoland area. I grew up here out in the western suburbs. Most people are familiar with Wheaton, Wheaton College, that area. Um, so I live there in Wheaton now with my my family, my wife Kimberly, and our two daughters. And um, and yeah, I I grew up. I was a um, uh, a typical Midwest homeschool kid. Uh, my parents raised us in a very entrepreneurial way. <laughs> so from a very early age, it was, hey, what are you passionate about? What do you love? What do you love to do? And how can we help you start a business in that area? So for my parents, it was, hey, what are you passionate about? How can you start a business in this area? And they had a thing with each of us kids that when we turned 13 years old, they would buy us something that would help us start a business in whatever area of passion we had. For me, that was tech. I, uh, I, was, I would always like to fix people's computers. And, and, um, and so when I had somebody at church ask me, uh, uh, can you design me a website? I'm like, absolutely, I can design you a website. I had never designed a website before. Uh, and so I'm like, mom and dad, it's time for my gift. And so they bought me Adobe Dreamweaver back then was the, the website yep. tool. And so I figured out how to build a website and started a business in that area. So 
that was that launched for me uh, a, a, a time running my own business, and I also teamed up with a friend of mine uh, when I was about sixteen years sixteen years old who was doing a tech startup, and um, we teamed up. Uh, I was working remotely back before remote work was a, a big thing. Um, and I was helping him with a tech startup that he was doing throughout my, my high school years that led to me moving out to Santa Barbara, California for about eight years and, uh, and then bend Oregon, Oregon a little bit and, uh, running a tech startup business with a friend of mine. And we, we, over that, over the course of about 15 years, we ran and we, 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 we launched about eight different brands and it was a, just an amazing journey that God had me on of, of preparing and equipping me and, 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 you know, a lot of trial and error and seeking the Lord on, hey, how, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to have impact through the work that you've called us to? And, uh, you know, that's, that's got to be the foundation of everything we, everything we do, right? Is how, how has God called us to have impact through what he's put in front of us? Right. And right. Um, so I did that for about 15, 16 years, exited that. Uh, about three or four years ago, and um, eventually, from uh, I met my wife out in California. We had our kiddos out there, but we decided after living in two of the most beautiful places in the country, with Santa Barbara and Bend, Oregon, that we really felt that desire and craving to be back in the ice cold, frigid weather of Chicago, Illinois. Window is a gorgeous snowstorm right now, and I yeah I yeah it. it's coming down. It's coming down. I'm about an uh, hour or so north of you. Um, and, and, uh, but really the reality is that raising kids without family around is challenging. And so we wanted to get back here to be around family, be in community with them. And, um, I was able to reconnect with a, another homeschool family, the father of another homeschool family that I grew up with, uh, his name is Tim Newell. And, um, he has been in this area of, of, of the stewardship of finances, uh, for many years, uh, he's just he just surpassed four decades. So he's 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 been around the block a couple times here, and um, and so I was able to team up with him, uh, and and God has just entrusted him and this firm uh, with a lot of really exciting things going on to have kingdom impact through this area of of of, of financial stewardship. And so uh, I joined the team here about four years ago. And uh, it's been a wild, amazing ride of, of learning how, how to become a champion of biblical financial stewardship. All right. That is one. That was a lot. I know. <laughs> a little bit of a fire a stuff. So our, our next podcast we're going to do too with Andrew. And the second one we're going to do is raising, uh, raising children inside, inside wealth. And so uh, that, that helps a lot for, for the next one. So, so make sure you tune in next week for that. Um, all right. So, so the, so with Tim and the experience that he has and now the, yeah. the these different businesses that you've created, what I want to do is, is I want to, I want to, to kind of take, take, take ourselves and put ourselves into the shoes of someone who they might be, a you know, a, a successful business owner, um, or just a, you know, it, it doesn't, it don't have to be a business owner by any means, but, but from the standpoint of, a normal functioning person in society who has not been trained in the financial world um, from the investment standpoint. Obviously, there's a whole lot more to finances than investments, but the those who have not been trained in the investment standpoint, if they open their eyes enough, 
they see that what was made to look really simple and easy on a uh, you know, a Robin Hood, uh, you know, commercial or something <laughs> like that. Like, oh, look, organic food. I should invest in organic food. Now I, you know, made a ton of money. Um, that sure. that it, it's that they, if they've opened their eyes beyond that to see just how difficult it is, um, and to see, start seeing like the, the industry is full of wolves. I guess it's, it's, say that a lot. The industry is full of wolves. You go, yeah. you know, you go look at a, a, uh, uh, you know, any type of advertisement for an investment vehicle the the stuff that you need to know is nowhere to be found the stuff that's going to help you understand why this is not a good fit for you is nowhere to be found but there's there's all these things that make it look great and we will make we can make anything look like it is you know as low risk as you want it to look like and we can make it look as you know we can highlight the 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 uh, guy who actually trained me he always talked about it's fizzle they'll show you all the fizzle over here and don't worry about the steak over here and so yeah from from that standpoint what I want to do is I want to I want to speak to the people who are tired of not getting investments. They're tired of um, the the cookie cutter advice that they have been given that doesn't seem to be working. Um, yeah, and and they don't understand this because a lot of it is very confusing and, and intentionally confusing. Um, right. And so I want to I want to take ourselves into that mindset and speak to those people to bring value to them today um so if you're listening i Absolutely. hope this is going to be helpful we're gonna we're gonna try to talk about different types of investment vehicles as well as um how someone in andrew's position would um assess risk as well because w- with risk there there's there's different ways that you would describe risk in different conversations and with risk you know there needs to be a there needs to be a if you could break it down as simple as to per unit of risk we should re- achieve uh, a certain unit of uh, measurement of return. And so anyways, yeah. that's what we're going to go at, at today. Um, Andrew, will you please start with the idea of, um, let's start broad and then we'll we'll narrow it in. So we're going to start with a, yeah. a total portfolio for someone here. And then we're going to start to narrow it down into the investment selections inside of that. So from a, from a portfolio construction standpoint, and and to, to back this up here, so um, Andrew has three different firms that that they work in where they've they've got they give financial advice to um, to a, a wide range of people, but especially to wealthy individuals um, that that the Lord has entrusted with with significant assets and that are focused on being good stewards with that with those funds. So um, so that they have the they have the the team and the expertise behind this. So we talk about how do you go about creating a portfolio. Uh, for someone who is, who's maybe in their, in their fifties, you know, so they've got a little time, right? They still have income coming in and they're trying to, they're trying to see good growth, but they also, you know, the political climate, the the inflation, they have have other concerns as well. How do you build a portfolio? Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll caveat into this because I think it's an important thing uh, and really uh, I know that it, it, it matters a lot to you and it matters a lot to to us and, and probably many of the listeners as well. Um, we operate as a firm from the the absolute foundational principle that everything that we have has been entrusted to us by our creator uh, and, and it belongs to him. And we're called to be wise stewards of that. Uh, that includes uh, stewardship of the investments and making wise decisions on what we invest money into. Uh, but we believe that that stewardship, it, 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 it 
needs to go across every single area of our life. Time, talent, treasure, that whole concept. Um, but we also believe that if it's true, that, that, that thing that we put out there and say that all of this belongs to him, that it also matters what we invest in. Um, and it matters what the companies that we invest in uh, support, manufacture, distribute, etc. And um, so we we are a champion of the biblically responsible investing movement, where we say, okay, we're going to take a hard look at the companies that we uh, are considering investing in before we take an investment position into them to see if the things that they're doing are in alignment with our biblical worldview. And um, so we, we, we screen out for eight different criteria where we look at the things that those companies are doing and we say, okay, is this something that we want to be aligned with or equally yoked with? Uh, and if they are doing anything that violates in those eight different areas, abortion, pornography, human rights violations, uh, all the way down the line, then we, we, we will screen them out and choose to not take an investment position in them. Uh, beyond that, we then will sit with the client in the, in the use case that you talked about, of a, a couple in their 40s or 50s that are looking to uh, the future. We'll, we'll, we'll do the whole comprehensive financial planning process just like, just like you do and say, okay, what is the time horizon that you have? And then we will choose a biblically responsible investing model that fits well for the season that they're in. Um, <sighs> One of the challenges that you'll see in the industry, and there's a lot of back and forth on this, there's very vastly differing opinions when you get into the whole conversation about buy and hold versus more of an active, active approach to management. And, um, and the st- statistically, it's, it is challenging to outperform over the long term a buy and hold strategy um, unless you are uh, very good at what you do or you're actively managing things in a, in a, in a very good way. And um, the challenge with us taking a, a hard line on biblically responsible investing and say we will not invest dollars into companies that are in violation of this is uh, that 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 uh, precludes us from investing in a lot of the typical. You can't just buy a basket of stocks. You can't just buy the S and P five hundred, right. uh, where over half the companies in the S and P would violate in some way. And so we take a very active approach to actually choosing the individual equity positions that we will invest in on behalf of our clients to make sure that not only are they do, do they screen clean, but we'll also look at, at uh, a lot of different indicators in building out that process. So often there will be some piece of equity exposure, uh, but we'll also look at non-correlated assets. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit here, but um, things like private equity, things like real estate, other options to be part of that well-rounded out portfolio that has good downside risk controls in place. That's very, very important, uh, especially in the geopolitical climate that we're in when we, you know, there's, there's still, uh, a, a, we believe there's still a pretty good chance that we could see a recession in the next six to 12 months. Um, what is a downside risk control? Yeah. Great question. Um, it would be some sort of mechanism tool a uh, uh, unique strategy that's implemented inside of a portfolio um, to to limit downside. Uh, so, so it's it, because we're we are on the on the side of a firmly very active tactical manager. Uh, we are looking every single day at the positions that our clients are invested in, 
Uh, we're looking to see what has good momentum, what's moving in the right direction. But because of we're watching all these different indicators, an example would be you're driving down the road and you see a yellow light. Well, you're going to make a decision there on what you do with the yellow light. You see a red light. Okay, it's time to start to hit the brakes. Um, and so we use indicators in a way that allow us to um, to 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 put downside risk controls in place. An, an example of that would be something like um, a, a unique strategy like a trailing stop where, okay, we have something has good momentum. And so it's it's moving in the right direction. I don't know with the mirrored camera. With the, There we go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There. Um, and... And then it starts to pull back and then we can have a, a, a mechanism put in place, a stop that would allow us to, to limit loss. Yep. And so <clears throat> we'll use things like that. We'll use uh, unique strategies um, that I don't want to get too nerdy into the, that side of it today, but um, <clears throat> unique strategies like structured notes where there's built in downside buffer or sometimes even full principle protection um, that allow us to limit that. Where hey, if things start, if things if things continue to move in the right direction, awesome. We're going to participate in the upside. But if things turn around on us, and you know, a year from now, Nvidia is down, you know, sixty percent because something crazy happened in Taiwan, we're not going to participate in that sixty percent downside. We're going to stop right. out at what we what we came in at. So that's just an okay. example of downside risk controls. Um, yeah. Often people so, will have. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so so then for, um, if, if I'm creating a portfolio here, you're going to almost bucket that out a little bit that you're going to have different types of exposures here to to equity structured notes and other things. And so you're going to yeah. basically have different performance characteristics of each of these. So that way you're not trying to, I guess, you know, one thing with this is if the S&P, you know, rips up 25%, um, and inside a diversified portfolio here with downside protection, you might not participate in that full 25% gains. And, there, and it may be, right. depending on how things go, maybe maybe you're able to to do that better. But at the same yeah. time, the idea is to not participate in a 40% loss there either. And and to right. have different buckets that are going to that are going to perform well in different yeah. in different types of environments there. And you know, with higher interest rates, you know, what, what impact that's gonna have. And so yeah. Okay. So, so you're building everything out runs in cycles. Yeah. Yeah. Every everything runs in cycles, and it's 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 important to to know where you're at in those cycles, and and to know what what could what could come, and uh, and to take appropriate. It's it's really back to that idea of of wise stewardship. So then, when you see, so you guys are are have active management here. Um, do you typically recommend that a client like for a client who has seen seen you? you guys, you know, well exceed the, the fees that you're charging for, you know, higher level fee for higher level management. Yeah. Um, yep. they've seen you, you know, what you, you've created this alpha here, um, and the, the outsized mm -hmm. returns, w would you recommend that they wind up having all of their portfolio in active management or is that typically a piece of it? It's a piece of it. It depends on the larger port of the, the portfolio and the overall strategy that we're implementing for them. There's a lot of other factors like liquidity sure. and other things that really need to be factored into that. Um, but uh, obviously, another part of, of, of healthy portfolio construction is diversification. Uh, so you, we, we wouldn't ever recommend that somebody has 100% exposure to equities only. Uh, you, you need to have other tools in place. Um, sometimes we say, okay, well, if you really are, are, are going very heavily growth oriented, you're going to have a higher than normal 
are higher than, higher than somebody who is taking a very conservative approach. Um, but but there there are also still natural downside risk controls in place, even in our growth oriented strategies, because. Um, as an active tactical manager, <clears throat> we have a higher than normal allocation to cash so that we can use those cash for the trades that we do day in and day out. Uh, but with that, we're actively every day taking gains off the table and then limiting losses through some of those trading strategies. Okay. Okay. And so that, to, just go ahead. Yeah. To round out that, that the answer there, um, as as part of that portfolio construction, we would say, okay, does it make sense for this investor if they are accredited, meet all the meet all the criteria, um, to have some exposure to to private equity? And that that can take a variety of different forms. Um, uh, but we what we've done is uh, we'll we'll talk later about the His Kingdom Resources Fund. But then there's also other faith based private equity options where um, you're, you're partnering with people who have bigger kingdom impact in mind, but in a way that's not concessionary, right? We believe we're called to get a good return so that we can continue to have more kingdom impact with what's been entrusted to us. Okay. So for, let's say one more thing inside more of the traditional public, public market, and then we'll, we're going to switch yeah. to private equity for risk. So, Lots of talk out there about how overvalued the stock market is today. How do you guys use any you know PE ratios or standard deviation measurements to to control the risk inside your portfolios? Yeah, we're we're looking every day at the positions that we're holding. Um, often, one of our portfolio, uh, or one of our models will have a it, it will have uh, core holdings. And then we have uh, our actively traded percent. About 50% of the account will be usually in our core holdings. And those are positions that we're looking at every day that have momentum. They're moving in the right direction. There's catalysts for them to continue moving in the right direction. Um, and and so that's going to be a piece of the portfolio. The other piece of it will be um, as we're buying and moving money in and out of the market every day. We, we trade in a block account and then it gets allocated out to all the accounts that we're managing. Um, wh- when we look at the, the equities, we, we t- I talked about screening as the first step that we do. The second step will be looking at a variety of different indicators. Do they have earnings reports coming up? Are there, are there other things that could contribute positively or negatively to the movement of this, of this position? Um, and if something, we believe something has a catalyst to move in the right direction, we're going to, it's not a great analogy because of the things that we screen out, but we're, we're kind of betting on the fastest horses in the race. And when they start to slow down, we look to, we look to exit them. But but we're not advocating horse betting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. No, no, this is great. And, and so just, just a note there. So as a financial advisor myself, I am needing to honestly take a take a deeper look at the portfolios that you guys use because I can actually I can and whether this is me or you know the, a listener here with you know mm-hmm. th- directly through through uh, Andrew and his team or through their own financial advisor yeah. we can invest in the portfolios that they manage and so that's something that we're going to be looking at for our clients as well I know we've talked before about the performance the performance was was quite impressive and it's something that I need to take a better look at for for our clients as well, because I, I think that yeah, you guys would be doing that at, at a very high level. So I want to yeah, one, one, one note on that real quick. Yeah, 
one one of the challenges historically with biblically responsible investing and this idea of 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 looking at what's going on in the companies that you invest in, um, it's been very challenging historically to to get good performance from models like that, um, other other models like that, because. Um, if you if you look at the the, the movement of the S and P in 2023, um, much of that was driven the, the the majority of that was driven by the top 10 companies in the S and P. Right. If you weren't invested in those top 10 companies in the S and P, you saw fractions of 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 the the positive movement of of the S and P. And so the challenge is eight out of the 10 top companies in the S and P are uninvestable to us from a biblically responsible perspective because of the things that they're supporting or manufacturing and all of that. Um, so we have to find other ways and other places to get our returns from. Um, so one of the testimonies of that, we set out uh, uh, it, with the goal of investing in a, having a portfolio that is 100% pure, as close to 100% as you can get in this dynamic environment where people are doing things every single day, um, and, but still deliver out performance. And over the over the long term, that's been the case uh, with all the appropriate disclosures in place about past performance right. and all of that. But the the active uh, approach we believe has been a great way to have downside risk controls and still deliver performance in a completely biblically responsible portfolio. Yeah, yeah, and that's great. And and to anyone who had a strategically allocated portfolio last year that didn't do as well as the S and P. I'm going to give your advisor, whoever did that, I'm going to give them a little credit and slack there because of those top 10 stocks, you look at the, you look at a lot of the the ways that you would decide if they're a good investment. They didn't look like a good investment yet. They just continued to, to run up higher and higher. So, um, that's right. Okay. Yeah. The, the rules are continuing to, to change in, in that realm of, of, yeah. of those investment decisions. So, so let, let's switch gears into something exterior to the stock market. And so we talk about non-correlated assets here and what a non-correlated asset is, is basically a, something that if the stock market is going to go, is going to take a big hit because interest rates are going to go up. And so a stock market goes down, um, it just uni- uniformly across the board, it's basically goes down. Uh, the, the private equity space is not necessarily tied to that. Um, you know, the, there are, there are some, some minor effects on that, but but not it's not near as directly tied to it. Um, nor is it what they what they call mark to market. So you don't see a new um, you don't see a new valuation of the private equity stock uh, right. every millisecond of the day. And so so that That's that right. certainly helps change the slow down the panic um, that that happens inside the stock market here. But we talk a little bit about um, the listeners that have have heard about private equity before. We've we've talked about that. So let's let's dig into his kingdom resources, what the fund is that yeah. you guys have, as well as how you how would you describe that risk to someone I've been investing with you, um, you've been you know actively managing my account, I, but I have all these stocks that if I wanted to to sell them today, you know I could call you up and you could press some buttons and sell the stock and I'd see my yeah. money in a week in my account. Help me understand the risks that we're talking about here. For these small companies yeah. compared to these conglomerates, and then what his kingdom resources fund actually is. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the, the jumping back for a second to the the first the the, we, the concept of biblically responsible investing, the first level of that we that we try to put in place on the publicly traded side is is as how are you avoid investing? How are you avoiding investing in in the bad and the in the, the companies that are doing things that are directly in opposition to the things that we believe? It's very important, uh, but we we believe that we're called to more. We're called to more than just tiptoeing around trying to avoid stepping on, you know, investing landmines. Uh, we believe that we're called to to have true kingdom impact. Um, and there are some, yeah, yeah, exactly. Play offense. Um, we believe that we're called to, you know, there, there, there are some really good examples of kingdom businesses out there. Think about the Hobby Lobbies and the Chick-fil-A's of the world that are doing incredible work. And there are billions of dollars flowing into the kingdom, flowing into kingdom impact initiatives through the work that God has called those companies to and the profits that come out of those companies. Uh, and that's just two of them. There's a lot of amazing ones. Um, and so when we look at how can we identify who are the next Hobby Lobbies and Chick-fil-A's of the world, who are the people, uh, the Christ followers that God has given unique ideas the bible talks about knowledge of witty inventions um how who who are those people what are the ideas that have been given to them that are going to advance the kingdom and they're going to advance the kingdom through financial returns but they're also going to advance the kingdom through the actual technology and the things that god has given them to create and how can we identify them and come alongside of them with necessary necessary resources sometimes that's capital sometimes that's strategic um, but how can we identify, come alongside of them, and and actually amplify and enhance the kingdom impact that God has called them to, uh, as 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 people who are called to that area? And so the, the the reality, the answer is that that needs to be done through a private equity type of vehicle. Um, the challenges that you know people have uh, often most people's exposure to private equity is, hey, my brother-in-law started a you know, trucking business and he needed 25 grand. So he did a little friends and family round and that was 15 years ago. And I don't know if I'm ever going to get my 25 grand back. And it's just kind of this big illiquid asset that's on my balance sheet somewhere um, that I just don't even really think about anymore. And maybe I've just kind of given up on it. Um, So there's a lot of challenges around traditional private equity where you're like, Hey, I, I, I met these people who are doing a fund and, uh, I like them. I like what they're you know, they're saying that they're going to target, but I don't necessarily know what I'm going to be getting into. I, I it's a, it's kind of a blind pool, right? I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm committing a certain amount of money, and I don't know what kind of companies they're going to invest in, or if I like those companies, or um, and so as we've helped our clients invest in a lot of private equity over the last forty years. Um, we've learned a lot of things that we didn't love about the the, the traditional private equity space. Um, and so when we said, Hey, how are we going to have kingdom impact through investing? How are we going to embrace companies that are doing things the right way? We said, number one, we need to have a private equity fund or a VC fund or that model. Um, and we, and number two, we're going to do it in a little bit of a different way. We're going to do it in a way where it's not a blind pool, whereas money comes into the fund, it gets deployed out into the portfolio companies and that has been seeded. So you know what you're getting into. Um, and so for us with the His Kingdom Resources Fund, we said, if this is going to be designed in the right way with the right structure to have the maximum impact, 
Number one, every single company that we invest in has to be Christian-owned and operated. That's a non-negotiable for us. We're not saying that everybody down the line, every single staff member has to be a Christ follower, but the foundation has to be in the right place. Um, Number two and number three for us, there has to be some form of kingdom impact built into what they're doing as a company. Um, Sometimes that looks like direct kingdom impact, like technology being created to actively fight human trafficking or technology being created to accelerate Bible translation. Other times that's more... Um, indirect kingdom impact, or some would call it common good, where it's 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 technology that's being created that's that's making our lives here on earth better, health and wellness, and other things like that. Um, and but the fourth one is because of what God's called us to in being wise stewards, like the par- parable of the talents. Uh, these are not concessionary investments; they have to have a clear path to a high return multiple. Um, and then the other thing for us as and a fund high return is, pull, we're saying is a baseline. Of we, 10X. we, we target, yeah, we target at least 10 X or better. Uh, yeah. we have some of the, some of the portfolio come, we've been, we've deployed capital in, in our, our current fund to eight different companies so far. Uh, we're circling around the last three or four that we're going to be deploying capital to here. Um, but they, they, all of them are, are clearly on that path to at least 10x. Some of them are, are, are blowing that out of the water because of the really amazing, unique inventions and ideas that God's given them. Um, and then the last thing is that we, we are only taking positions in this fund in companies that have the potential for a shorter term liquidity event. We're, we're a five-year fund and we're looking to be able to um, have opportunities to exit that before them. The idea for that is that you don't have a 20-year hold on something. You need to, you want to use that capital and that grown capital to have kingdom impact, to give to the objectives that you're that you're passionate about. And so we're looking to say the our entire fund is how can we em- enable extravagant kingdom giving. And so we're trying to set an example for that as the sponsor of the fund, where <clears throat> on the management fees for the fund. Uh, it's a typical two and 20 fund. We don't need to get into all those details right now, but we're at least tithing to date. We've given double that, uh, in, on the management fees. And then on the performance allocation, we're giving at least half of that to Bible translation, Bible distribution, kind of holistically addressing the pro-life cause and then putting an end to human and sex trafficking. Our goal is to cover our costs and give the rest of what would come to us as the sponsor back into the kingdom. Cause that's the whole reason for this. So having a, a solid, non-correlated asset class, uh, you just talked about that a little bit, that, that's, that, that's a, a little bit different than the other holdings in your portfolio, but has the potential for big returns that can help you be an even bigger giver is why we're doing this. I, we could, I want to, I want to stay sharp and on point here, but I could, we could get lost for the next 30 minutes just talking about how great it is what you guys do. Um, for 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 the for listeners out there, the just want you to understand when when you go so at these family office conferences that we go to the 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 more family offices that we, that we interact with, they are this is what they're looking for. They are looking for making um, private equity investments. They they don't do a lot in the public markets. They do some, but most of what they're trying to do are try to make outsized gains. And so it has to be inside the certain risk that risk models they need to make sure they have other liquidity and and money aside for their grocery bills um, they don't they don't yeah. put it all into this so it's a 
part of assessing risk is making sure that you have the portfolio allocation correctly, meaning that yeah. the right size of your portfolio invested into these. Um, you know, we, we often talk about the barbell strategy where you've got a, a big bulk of your portfolio. Uh, traditional barbell would say in bonds or CDs and the other parts in stocks, we go more toward the idea of of um, real estate and royalty companies as a large portion of your portfolio. And then the other side, we're looking for these um, we're, these home run swings with private equity. Um, but the certainly as you're trying to figure out how do you create create larger wealth, it typically wealth isn't typically created in the traditional way of investing in the stock market. Wealth is maintained yeah. there, or it could be grown over a 20, 30 year period, no doubt. Absolutely yeah. can be, yeah. um, but the, the way you see kind of outsized gains is typically in the private equity space. Um, yeah. These funds, the, these family offices will spend boatloads of money trying to put together their portfolios to to do exactly what you know what you guys are doing with his team resources. Um, and so it's just a matter of finding the people who you trust, find the people who've got a, a track record, um, obviously forty years of of successful investment. Uh, experience and that that's a that says a, a ton about y- your team there so um, i just want to i want to l- put emphasize that that the idea of including private equity into your portfolio you, know, you certainly need to be an accredited investor and i would yeah. say beyond that as well you shouldn't just be at a million dollar net worth you know getting into private equity spaces um is you're, you're pushing the limits there obviously but as as the net worth grows Beyond that, that's when you should start really start considering this um, yep. as, as an option. Of course, talk to your financial team and get their advice there because yep. uh, nothing we say here is, is construed as financial <laughs> advice. Um, okay, so last thing here before we go, risk. A risk inside yep. private equity here. So the idea of investing in one company versus a fund, there's, there's a, yep. a certainly reduced risk because if you've got 12 companies in there that you're investing in, um, that runs my chances. Um, but the yeah. idea of so here in Peoria, this is <laughs> used to be Caterpillar country. We still kind of consider ourselves Caterpillar country. But if Caterpillar is a fifty-five billion dollar company, and I want to invest in a company that has um, that's more like a a let's let's say it's got five million dollars of sales right now. Yeah. To try to understand the the difference in risk of a five a company that's got five million dollars in sales versus Caterpillar, pretty hard to even fathom what that is. Um, so the risk is definitely different. There's a there's a much greater chance that you could lose your money. There's obviously a much greater chance that you could have a high return in the five million dollar company than on Caterpillar. How do you describe the risk to someone there? Yeah, great question. The 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 traditional risk to consider in private equity, the the biggest risk, in my opinion, is typically time. Right? How long is your money going to be tied up? And we talked a little bit about the liquidity already. Uh, the other, the other, the other uh, risk um, of you know whether it's market risk or business risk. The, the, the what's the, what's the risk that this business I'm investing in is going to fail? Um, mm-hmm. And what are the what are the what are the potential risks to that? What are the you know we'll sit down with companies and do a full SWOT analysis and say okay what what could go wrong here? What are the threats? What are the opportunities? What are the risks? Um, and and so when we're looking at at a business to invest in, um, we're, we're digging into that. But at, at a higher level, when you're talking about the diversification across a fund, that's why we chose, we, we didn't just t- choose 12 companies to invest in because it's a really spiritual number and 12 disciples and all that. 
um, uh, we actually believe that there's wise uh, uh, methods there when it comes to diversification, um, not just in time, because some of the companies we're investing in have the potential for a sh- uh, an earlier stage liquidity event. We have one that's likely going to uh, go public in 2025. So there will start to be opportunities for liquidity much sooner. Um, yep. and that, that, that enables us to get the, the you know, upfront capital off the table and all of that. Um, and then you're kind of, uh, you have a bunch of other liquidity events lined up that you can do more and more giving from. So when you're looking at a business, we're, we're, we're a little bit sector agnostic. We're not saying, hey, we're just going to invest in tech or we're just going to invest in uh, you know, energy or, or whatever. We're looking at, uh, because of how narrow our other investment criteria is, we're looking at companies that are at different stages. Um, some of them that we invested in, we invested early on when it was a, a an amazing team and an algorithm. And now mm-hmm. here, a year later, they're post-revenue. They're making money. They, it's, it's been able to de-risk over time. Um, so you're, you're looking at different types of risk. Um, that's what, one of the big parts that we dig into in our, our due diligence process is what could go wrong here? Uh, could somebody beat them to market? Or is their is their portfolio of intellectual property properly protected? Um, and so those are a couple of things that we look at when when you, when you look at the risks of coming in early to a company. Hey, does this company have good um, a good foundation in place? Who's on the board? Who's the executive team? Uh, we usually require a, that we take a board seat when we invest, so that we can represent our investors, but then also protect the kingdom impact that's that's been built into that company. So it's a little bit of what we do to look to to um, defray or diversify risk is investing in 12 different companies. So in case you had a, a Judas in the ranks or something like that, that <laughs> you, you know, not everything's at risk. Um, but then we, we, we go really, really deep and then we do ongoing check-ins and we'll bring our C, the CEOs of our portfolio companies together to be in community with one another and to help each other through some of the challenging times. Um, and so those, those are a couple of ways that we, that we address some of the typical risks of private equity. Awesome. All right. We're going to, we're going to wrap this one up here, but um, I truly appreciate your time and your wisdom. The, if someone wants to get a hold of you, talk about any of this stuff, how, how do they get in contact with you? Yeah. Andrew at his kingdom resources.com. Uh, would be the the best way to uh, to reach out to me if if you want to learn more. Um, we're towards the end of of Fund One, but there's um, as as we've put our flag in the sand and said we are going to only invest in companies in this very narrow criteria. Has to have Kingdom Impact. Has to be Christian owned. Has to have the potential for a high return multiple. Uh, we had a lot of people ask us early on, "Are you going to have trouble finding deals, finding companies that that meet that criteria?" And, uh, and the, the testimony is that that hasn't been a problem. Um, it's been really awesome to see what God's doing through uh, Christ followers all over the world yeah. and giving them amazing ideas and, and, and people whose hearts are for him and whose hearts are tuned into him and the spirit. And, and uh, it's, it's just a, an absolute thrill. You know, we're, we're doing this entire thing to, to, to accelerate kingdom impact. And we're already seeing that it's one of the things that I love is some of the first returns that we're seeing come out of the, his kingdom resources fund are kingdom returns from the giving that we've already been able to do. We're already seeing people be saved. We're already seeing the word. Uh, we, we, we did a Bible distribution project to the, to the um, Sudanese refugees in Uganda. 
And we're already seeing people come to the Lord as a result of what's happening through this. And we're really excited about that. But all of this is just listen and obey, right? That's got to be our whole life. God, what do you want me to do? And now I'm going to say yes and go do it. So awesome. Yeah. I'd love to talk more if anybody wants to, to talk. Andrew Barlow, I truly appreciate you. Thanks for the wisdom here. And uh, we are going to be back next week, which for us is going to be in a couple minutes, talking about uh, raising children inside wealth. So hope you'll tune in again. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for listening to Wealth Well Done. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And together, we'll continue to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well.